At its annual fall meeting, the National Academy of Public Administration today published a set of what its members think are the grand challenges in public administration. Here with the highlights, the Academy's president and CEO, Terry Girton. Ms. Girton, always good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. Great to be here. So this is a kind of a hard pull on the oars for NAPA to really come out with a list. Grand challenges. That sounds big. Tell us about the challenges, and then we'll talk about how you develop the list. We're really excited to announce this new agenda. It's the result of a year's worth of work. We started this um, initiative last year at our fall meeting, announcing that we were going to take public input um, and expert input, and we received a lot of submissions from the general public, so we were thrilled about that. We had a steering committee of 14 uh, prominent folks from across the various fields in public administration, Um, And they took a look at all of that public input and shaped it into what is a list of 12 grand challenges in four categories. Um, So those four categories are protecting and advancing democracy, strengthening social and economic development, ensuring environmental sustainability, and managing technological challenges. And then the 12 get more um, specific in there. But our focus here is the grand challenges in public administration. So what we really want to highlight here is the role of public administrators at all levels of government in driving significant change. So it sounds like these are quite different from, say, the high-risk list that is published every couple of years by the Government Accountability Office. Those are close to the ground and have to do with operations of federal agencies for the most part. These are almost like societal issues, and you're talking about the government role in those issues. Correct? Exactly. I mean, we certainly were informed by the high-risk list, and we also looked at GAO's future um, list where they talk about things like biometrics and bio, uh, biomedical engineering and those sorts of things and how they're going to change society. But our focus here very much is what is the role of the people who work in government to help address these societal problems? I think sometimes we get so concerned that issues like social equity are so big and we don't know where to start. Um, But we really think that it's the public administrators, the people who work in government, who have the opportunity to take action now that can drive change and improvement for the future. And I want to zero in on a couple of them because I'm not sure I understand precisely what you mean. One of them is advancing national interests in a changing global context. What does that mean? So um, what we're really focused on here is the fact that there are some national challenges that are really global challenges that don't respect uh, national borders. For example, um, health vectors or um, ocean pollution or those sorts of things. They are real problems for the United States as a nation, but they're also real problems for um, countries around the globe. And so we want to focus on raising public administrators who can operate in those global and international organizations and really help um, address the the United States interest, but recognize that it has to be done in a global environment. And that's a shift from sometimes how we think about training public administrators. Sure. And some of the challenges are really longstanding ones, but it sounds like maybe there's new meaning and new urgency of them. For example, building resilient communities. I mean, that goes back to the you know post-World War II era with nuclear fallout shelters and so forth, and also advancing the nation's long-term fiscal health. Right. There, some of these are, one, you're right, challenges that have been around for a long time. But what we're really trying to do here is push the boundaries on kind of what people think resilient communities, for example, is about. There's 
the focus recently has really been on resiliency in response to um, climate change or um, those sorts of nat uh, natural disasters. We want to not take that away, but add to it a concept that a community is resilient if it's prepared um, in a variety of, of facets like economic development, educational development, um, a sense of community. Uh, and so when we think about a resilient community, it's definitely are they prepared to respond to natural disasters. But more importantly, I think as the conversation around divides in this country has um, gotten more prominence in the last few years, we really want to think about is every community resilient? Are they, are they set up for the long term and are they going to be successful? And what are the policies and processes that public administrators can put into place to help that? So when you think about how does a community invest in its infrastructure, how does a community connect its employers with its education pipeline, um, how does a community think about its social programs to really foster resilience, a lot of that is determined by the public administrators in state and local government. We're speaking with the president and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration, Terry Girton, and long-term fiscal health. Well, certainly there's, uh, you know, the national debt is at levels we've never even thought about, much less um, planned for. Or but add to, it seemingly with abandon. <laughs> right, right. But this is, uh, our focus here is going to be on the interaction between the federal, state, and local levels. Can we bring all the levels together to start to think about what do we actually, what are our sources of revenue? Um, can we be more creative in the sources of revenue? We have to think long-term about um, the entitlement programs and how we're setting those up. Uh, what really is the balance now between um, the impact of debt uh, and the opportunities for investment? There's some terminology around, um, you know, the the fiscal responsibility that that um, elected officials have. You know, they they all run on plans of investment and new programs, but we have basically taken away their discretion because every almost every dollar is accounted for already in the entitlement program. So we've got to bring that conversation back into balance, and we are really interested in it in the interaction of all of our levels of government to make sure that we've got a sustainable system for the future. And of course, you've got some really brand new ideas, which uh, one of which is discussed a lot lately, but that is making government artificial intelligence ready. Exactly. Um, we, you know, we've talked a lot about the future of work um, and the impact that AI-assisted um, functions will have or robotic process automation. But part of this is thinking about what is our citizen or our government customer expecting? Um, and when you think about uh, what you expect when you go online with Amazon, and they already can autofill your form and, and know your credit card number and, and get it to you in a day, that changes what customers expect the government to be able to deliver. But more importantly, when you think about um, a citizen or a person's um, sort of uh, non-spoken uh, agreement with the private sector, it's I'm trading some privacy for service. Right? I'm willing to give you some of that information because it means I get what I want faster. We don't have that same understanding with the government, and part of that is a trust issue. I'm not willing to give you my information because I don't trust you with it, but at the same time, I want better, faster service. So making government AI ready is getting to the root of that, thinking about how do we build trust with our government customers, how do we 
get the data and the processes in place so we can start to have customer-centered government services delivered in a way that satisfies customers and starts to build trust back in government. All right. So you've got some new challenges that are put out there. Now, the Academy recently inducted its latest cohort of new fellows. And so if you add up the accumulated fellows, you've got a pretty good cadre there of people to look at these things. How will this new grand challenge list drive NAPA's agenda? Well, we think we've got the best bench in the business for for exactly this purpose. We're really thinking about four roles at the Academy. When you look at the 12 grand challenges, the Academy is not positioned to necessarily lead on all of those, but with our fellows population and the entire population of public administrators, we think there's a great opportunity to really um, align the entire field of public administration to drive these forward. The Academy is thinking that we really have four responsibilities here. The first is to inspire action by simply publishing this agenda and making it prominent um, with our deans in the schools of public administration, with uh, our leaders and our fellows. We really want to motivate um, the entire field to, to drive action here. We think the Academy is also uniquely positioned to enhance understanding about these. So we will be doing some grassroots research here, establishing baselines in all 12 of the grand challenges. We envision developing cases and um, resource libraries that really help to advance the field and the study. Um, We are, again, uniquely positioned to connect the stakeholders. And that's really an important piece here, I think. understanding that it's all levels of government, it's public and private sector, it's nonprofits, it's intergovernmental, it's academics and practitioners, it's everybody who's ever touched public administration. But the academy can help bring those folks together, both in person and virtually, to help align efforts, connect people who are doing research that uh, didn't know there were other people in the field, and again, kind of be an accelerator for progress And the fourth piece that we really want to highlight is driving change. This is not, we don't want to just announce these and say we're done. This is all about setting up um, a decade long agenda that we want to be able to report on because when you report on progress, it helps motivate future progress. So we think we're uniquely positioned as the National Academy of Public Administration to sort of be the hub on what we hope is a, a rapidly expanding network of folks who are actively driving change across this agenda. Terry Gurton is president and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration. As always, thanks so much. Tom, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.